Welcome to Gear Vlogs Automotive Podcast, a hybrid call-in talk show where you, the viewer or listener of the Gear Vlogs YouTube channel, can tune in and listen to the latest in automotive news and happenings within the automotive space. I'm Mario Gear. Want to be a part of the show? It's easy. Just call our show voicemail hotline at 805-419-5129 any time of the day of the week before the following Thursday and leave a message. Or now just join us live via the Clubhouse app and come on stage and be a part of the show. This takes place every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. If you're not already doing so, consider hitting that subscribe button, hitting that thumbs up, share this out, and tell your family and friends. So sit back, Crack open the cold one and enjoy the show. Corvette brought a knife to a gunfight after Red Flag. Corvette's, Corvette's Nick Tandy on how first Red Flag cost team potential first WEC GTE Pro class win. Nick Tandy said that the Red Flag shortly before the halfway point of the 1,000 miles of Sebring likely cost Corvette racing a shot at the GTE Pro Class win, saying it was like bringing a knife to a gunfight against a Porsche on pressure tires. Tandy and Tommy Milner finished a the shortened FIA World Endurance Championship race at Sebring International Raceway, second place in class behind race winners Kevin Estree and Michael Christensen in the number 92 Porsche 911 RSR 19. The two cars were engaged in a fierce battle throughout the first four hours of the race, with Corvette getting ahead of the Porsche as the halfway mark approached. It was at that point that the race was red flagged when Jose Maria Lopez had his big crash in the number seven Toyota GRO 110 or 10 hybrid. The stoppage erased the lead from that Milner and Tandy had managed to build over the Porsches. Once the race restarted, Estree was on far fresher rubber than Milner, who had been double-stitching his, denting his Michelin tires. It left the Corvette effectively defenseless against the Porsche, with Estree retaking the class lead not long after the race got back underway. The first red flag really compromised everything we were doing because we were effectively trying to build a margin by not taking tires and gaining time in the pits, Dandy explained. The Porsche were always taking tires, and we were trying to double stint them. We had this 20-second or so gap, so not only did the red flag erase the 20-second gap, but then we were in the back end of a double stint on left-side tires. I think the number 92 had just taken four tires, so it was like bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's kind of bittersweet. It's disappointing because I think if it had run green for the whole race, we would have been... Some were fighting the number 92, but we are also lucky that we managed to get position two. That's a decent start to the season. The podium finish marked the Chevrolet Corvette CAR's best finish in the WEC outside of the 24 hours of Le Mans. Quote, we're happy how 
with how the weekend has gone. We had a chance to fight, which is all you want, Tandy said. Then you got to get to execute the perfect race. We were kind of really stretching fuel to a 30-lap stint, and they seemed to do 30 to 32 laps. So there's a bit of a difference here, which then affects the strategy later on in the race. But past that, pretty good, pretty happy. Porsche Corvette double stint, a brave move. The decision for Corvette to double stint its tires in the race surprised Alexander Stylig, Porsche's director of factory motorsports for WEC, who labeled it as a brave move. To be honest, they got us by surprise at the beginning that they did a complete double, Stylig said. That's a brave move. We had the issue in the prologue. In training sessions, when everyone didn't do long runs, we had full course yellows and red flag. We did not really know what to expect when we got into the double stints. When we saw that they did a double, no tire change at the beginning, we thought they knew what they're doing. But at the end of the day, I think it was classic endurance race where in each condition of the race during the afternoon, one manufacturer had a slight advantage over the other. It was an entertaining race between us. At the end of the day, they were saving tires. For sure, they got beaten by that, but because the race was shortcut due to red flags and full course yellows, that's the risk. You have two strategies. You either burn your tires and you get the advantage, or you hang on and try to survive. Quote, do you save and save and save and attack at the end? Both strategies can be heavily affected by yellow or red flags. Stelig also noted that the red flag caused Lopez, caused by Lopez, say Porsche, as both of its cars had to have sort of 15 second penalties for infringements during the start procedures in the second hour. It helped us because we screwed up the formation lap he explained both drivers did not do what they were told from the race director we had a 15 second time penalty on our account i would say the red flag was not against us so there you have it comment down below what you think are you pro porsche or pro corvette sec to elon musk regarding your tweets a deal is a deal Commission says Tesla chief complains about legitimate inquiries into his conduct. New York. The top U.S. security regulator on Tuesday urged a federal judge not to let Elon Musk escape in an agreement requiring that his Twitter use be monitored, which the Tesla Inc. chief executive considered part of a campaign of harassment. In a filing in the federal court in Manhattan, the U.S. Security and Exchange Commission said Musk had not met his high burden to set aside a 2018 consent decree requiring that Tesla lawyers approve tweets and other public statements that could be material to his electric car company. Okay, let's keep reading. It's not enough that Musk found 
compliance less convenient than he had at hoped, end quote, or wished the SEC would stop investigating Tesla's disclosure procedures. Quote, when it comes to civil settlements, a deal is a deal, absent far from compelling circumstances than are here presented, end quote, the SEC said. The regulatory agency also urged a U.S. district judge, Allison Nathan, who oversees the, the decree to reject Musk's bid to quash a subpoena requesting records concerning his Twitter poll last November over whether to sell 10% of his Tesla stock. Alex Spiro, a lawyer for Musk, declined to comment. Tesla did not immediately respond to a request for comment. Legal experts have said Musk is unlikely to have the decree set aside. Earlier on Tuesday, Musk danced and joked with fans as he oversaw the opening of Tesla's first European factory located near Berlin with German Chancellor Olaf Scholz in attendance. More to follow up on that story shortly in the next uh, segment. Tesla also had a factory in Shanghai. The company has made Musk the world's richest person, according to Forbes magazine. The SEC dispute stems from the regulators' claims that Musk defrauded investors on August 7, 2018 by tweeting that he had funding secured to potentially take his electric car company private at a premium, when in reality, a buyout was not close. Tesla and Musk settled by each paying a $20 million civil fine, with Musk stepping down as Tesla's chairman. Musk has since accused the SEC of harassing him with roving and unbounded investigations in a bad faith effort to punish him for criticizing the government and exercising his constitutional right to free speech under the First Amendment. But the SEC said it has broad authority and a legitimate purpose to investigate Musk and Tesla, and that Musk could oppose the subpoena only through a subpoena enforcement action. Musk complained about the sheer number of demands by the SEC from 2018 to present, which he characterized as harassment, end quote, the SEC said. But Musk its own chronology of alleged demands is both underwhelming and reflects legitimate inquiries as to new potential volatile conduct by Tesla and Musk, it added. The subpoena related to Musk's tweet that he would offload 10% of his Tesla stake if users approved. A majority did, and the poll caused Tesla's share price to fall. Musk has since sold more than $16 billion of Tesla stock. So, yeah, do you think uh, the SEC is going after uh, Musk on this, or are they uh, actually doing their jobs for a government regulatory agency, which I find uh, hard to believe if they're actually doing good? What's that called? Um, Government fat? So, yeah, comment down below what you think on this one. And let's get on to the next uh, Tesla Musk story. Dancing Elon Musk hands first German-built Tesla to customers. Model Y performance models 
are the first off the production line. Germany, Elon Musk was cheered as he oversaw the handover of Tesla's first German-made cars at its Grunheind plant on Tuesday, making the start of the U.S. automaker's inaugural European hub just two years after it was first announced. Loud music played as dirty clients and their families got a first glimpse of their shining new vehicles through a glitzy neon-lit Tesla-branded tunnel. Lapping and cheering as Tesla chief Elon Musk danced and joked with fans. This is a great day for the factory, Musk said, describing it as another step in the direction of a sustainable future. Although German Chancellor Olaf Scholz was also attended the event, laundered as a gigafactory as the future of the car industry, it has faced opposition and some environmental activists blocked the factory's entrance while displaying banners flooding it with high water use. Two protesters abseiled from a motorway sign near the factory, blocking traffic for hours after the event. I'd play this, but I'm afraid that the uh, audio would get me dinged or the copyright, so I'll have links to this article so you can um, in the show notes so you can check it out for yourself. So, But here we go, keep going. Bus had hoped to begin output from the factories eight months ago, but licensing delays and local concerns around the plant's environmental impact held up pro- the process. Tesla was forced to sur- service European orders from Shanghai while it awaited its German license, adding to the rising logistic costs at a time when it was struggling with industry-wide chip shortages, and other supply chain disruptions. It got the final go-ahead from local authorities on March 4th to begin production in Germany, provided it met conditions ranging from its water use to air pollution controls. The plant opening came on the same day as the top U.S. security regulator urged a federal judge not to let Musk back out of an agreement requiring that his Twitter be used use be monitored. While the Tesla chief executive considers part of a campaign of harassment. Race with VW. The new owners received the Model Y performance configuration, a vehicle costing 63,990 euros, approximately 70,491 US dollars, with a 320-mile range. Tesla said adding that new orders from the plant could be delivered from April. Tesla said that around 3,500 of the plant's expected 12,000 workers have been hired so far. At full capacity, the plant will produce 500,000 cars a year, more than the 450,000 battery electric vehicles that German rival Volkswagen sold globally in 2021. It will also generate 50 gigawatt hours of battery power, suppressing all other plants Germany. For now, Volkswagen still has the inside track in the race for electrifying European fleet with a 25% market share to Tesla 13%. Musk has said ramping up production would take longer than the two years it took to build the plant. JP Morgan predicted. Reinhold 
will produce around 54,000 cars in 2022, increasing to 280,000 in 2023 and 500,000 by 2025. Volkswagen, which received 95,000 EV orders in Europe this year, is planning a new second, new 2 billion euro EV factory alongside its existing factory in Wolfsburg and six battery plants across Europe. But its timeline lags Tesla's with the EV factory due to open in 2026 and the first battery plant in 2023. There we go. What do you think? You think uh, Tesla's going to overtake uh, the European market? Comment down below. From the uh, man cave section of the internet, we have an interesting ad here from Bring a Trailer, classified. 15,000 mile, 1999 Pontiac Firebird Trans Am, 30th Anniversary Edition, 6-speed. Basically what we have here is a white Pontiac Trans Am, 30th Anniversary Edition, with the blue anodized two-tone you know, five-spoke rims. And um, let's read here a little bit out here. Vehicles located in Raleigh, North Carolina. Has a VIN number. Car has approximately 15,000 miles uh, on the odometer. Obviously, 30th anniversary edition. 5.7 liter LS1 V8. Six-speed manual transmission. Limited slip differential. Uh, let's see. Arctic white with blue stripes. Black and white upholstery. Blue tinted 17 inch alloy wheels, T top roof, WS6 RAM air package, power windows, locks, and mirrors, power adjustable driver seat, monsoon audio, clean Carfax, private party or dealer, dealer. Additional charges from this dealer, zero. So, looking at this one, if you're a fan of Gas Monkey Garage's YouTube channel, a few episodes back, he had an episode where he had bought a large car collection from up north, I think like in Wisconsin or Minnesota, somewhere, one of the northern states. And it was one of these type of uh, you know, Pontiac Trans Ams that uh, he acquired. Now, the question today is, is this the exact same one that uh, Gas Monkey Garage had and he recently flipped it to somebody else in North Carolina? Maybe, maybe not. But um, yeah, that's like uh, for me personally, bucket list cars. Yeah, this would definitely be one of them that uh, I probably would add to uh, my collection of the someday own. I always liked the body style of the uh, WS6 Ram Air Package, which was, if I correctly remembered, was developed for GM by SLP Engineering. Um, yeah, so maybe someday I'll be able to get uh, Dave Hamburg of uh, Specialty Vehicle Engineering uh, to uh, chime in for an interview uh, about the history of his company, him and his father's company. Because at one time they owned um, SLP before selling it off to uh, Roush Industries. Can't get into the details, but at least he can talk about it. I think I'd like to try to get him on board for the history about uh, the company and what they're up to and possibly what the electrification future of the automakers may mean for his business so if you want to hear that interview uh comment down below let me know and i'll see if i can try to make that happen um yeah see you guys uh
next time.